0: It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. The chat is already getting going strong. I hope you guys are all having a very good Thursday. Uh, I'm I'm excited about this episode, and it is, of course, question day because there's Q&A. We do have a little bit of Jimmy Garoppolo news to get to, as you can see. I put that up there as one of the topics because Jimmy Garoppolo news has come out, but it's also Q&A, so if you have any questions, Go ahead and start lighting up chat and we'll get into all those questions. Let's have a, a really good Q&A session because uh, the 49ers play tomorrow. So I'm excited about getting into this and, and talking about the 49ers against the Packers as well. The game preview show came out earlier today. So if you watch that, let me know what you thought about it. But let's go ahead and, and tell everyone that's in chat already. What's up, David, Traffic, Golden Dragon, Lisa, how's it going? Uh, Lou, I hope you guys are all having a really good day and this is gonna be a fun episode. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, and what's up, Supercell Chaser? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is potentially now back in the mix um for the Cleveland Browns quarterback position because Mary Kay Cabot, or Cabot um she said that the Browns will consider acquiring 49ers Jimmy Garoppolo if Deshaun Watson's six game suspension increases. Now, we do know that Commissioner Roger Goodell came out a couple of days ago and said he wants it to be a full year, that he believes the evidence uh, has warranted Deshaun Watson being suspended a year. If Deshaun Watson's uh, suspension goes up, then the Browns would considering acquiring Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, it's not as simple as they're going to call the 49ers and reach an agreement as far as draft uh, capital and a, an agreement that way, but they're also going to have to work out some sort of financial agreement with Jimmy Garoppolo, because they don't have enough money available to be able to take on his $24 million that would they would have to uh, take on. Would the 49ers be willing to eat some of that money? Don't know. You know, uh, Cleveland ate $10 million to be able to move Baker Mayfield, so maybe the 49ers would be willing to eat some of Jimmy Garoppolo's money, but I don't think they want to eat that much unless the compensation is going to be pretty significant. So if Cleveland's ready to give up more draft capital than they really want to, then the 49ers might take on some of that salary. But if they're not, they're not going to. So it was a little bit interesting for the fact that, you know, there had been five different teams that had been kind of mentioned to this. And now Cleveland moves back to the forefront as one of those teams because it had been Atlanta, maybe the New York Giants. Those were teams that were thought to now be the leaders in the clubhouse. Of course, Seattle waiting just in case Jimmy Garoppolo gets released. But now the Browns are up there. and this. I mean, Mary Kay is one of those ones that she's well-respected amongst the Cleveland media. She definitely uh, knows what she's talking about. She's very tied in. So the fact that she said this means there is a market for Jimmy Garoppolo, what it ends up being is completely different. We don't know what that's going to be. You know, I mean, I think at this point, most 49 ers fans just want to get something back for Jimmy, and they could potentially do that with this deal. So I think that this is good news for the 49ers and good news for Jimmy Garoppolo Maybe he ends up finding a team where he can go ahead and start, but it all still hinges and we're all still on the clock of Roger Goodell and the NFL uh, figuring out what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. So uh, there's still a lot going into this. I'm sure at some point we'll get resolution, um, but I definitely wanted to talk about it a little bit. Um, And then uh, let's see if we got any questions here. Uh, What's up, Blue? I seen you said hello. Um, David Campbell says, hate to start off on a bummer, but the Frank Gore news is depressing. Yeah, you know what? And what's up, Paul? Welcome to chat. You know, the stuff about Frank Gore is not something exciting. I'd actually seen it come through yesterday, but I didn't want to get into it right away in the episode yesterday for the mere fact that I was hoping that more information was going to come out. And so far, I mean, the information doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound like anything that I normally would expect from somebody like Frank Gore. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, we're going to get more clarity on this because I think Frank Gore... For the most part has carried himself in a positive manner um there is an accusation here he's going to have his opportunity you know in in court to go ahead and and prove you know what what really happened or if this happened admit it and move on we're going to find out um but we'll see we'll see what comes out from it i'm just not really a huge fan of this situation i i feel for all parties involved so hopefully it'll come to some sort of a resolution that makes sense Um, And hopefully, you know, I mean, I'm just hoping that uh, something, you know, can be, you know, I guess, positive come out of a bad situation. Just don't know. I mean, I really don't know, but I am waiting for more information on that. David says they may as well trade for him then because it's going to increase. Plus wouldn't you want Jimmy into the playbook ASAP? Yeah. Now Kevin Stefanski and what he does in Cleveland is very similar to a Kyle Shannon system. So, I think the verbiage and things like that would definitely translate for Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think it would be like a crazy amount of time for Jimmy to be able to figure out this playbook. Um, They do also have a quarterback there, so Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo have worked together before in New England. That could potentially help the learning curve as well because Jacoby Brissett could help Jimmy Garoppolo get into this playbook. But of course, um, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to do the work, and he's one of those guys that's proven he can... He can win football games going out there and winging it a little bit. Uh, so I think the offense, you know, it fits what Jimmy Garoppolo wants to do with that run game, especially with uh, with Chubb. So it, I think he would fit there. The question is going to be, um, you know, are they going to be able to work out a deal financially with Jimmy Garoppolo and then also the compensation working out for the 49ers? Because if they want the 49ers to eat some of that money, they're going to have to go ahead and throw in a, a better draft pick than, You know, the 6th and 7th round picks that I've heard mentioned amongst most media members. Uh, Paul says, Jimmy may eat some of that, so we also... Yeah, I mean, if Jimmy wants to be a starting quarterback in this league, he's probably going to want to renegotiate his contract with whatever team he goes to, knowing he's going to lose money this year, but could potentially earn it in future earnings if he has himself a good year. The 49ers would love this because it would get Jimmy Garoppolo out of the NFC, They would rather have him in the AFC where you just don't have to see him. Uh, It's not so much fear as it is just, hey, let's just not worry about that. Let's not have that added aspect to one of these NFC teams that we're going to potentially have to play. You know, and I I think that that's where they would really like him to go. Cleveland's always been a spot that made sense. Um, It was just, you know, they were in the middle of the Deshaun Watson thing at some point. And actually, they're still in the middle of it. So we'll see. Uh, We'll see. Uh, Lou says then the price for 36 or for Jimmy G goes up too. my same two questions. How's Mason and there's a center position. Any news? Um, yeah. I would think Jimmy Garoppolo's, you know, he potentially the, the amount that you're going to have to give up for him for another team could increase because there could be more teams via, you know, vying for him. Also, if, you know, if they go ahead and have the suspension go up, then they know Cleveland needs a quarterback. So, then you have them in a little bit of a more difficult situation because if Cleveland really wants Jimmy Garoppolo and then they wait for the 49ers to release him, they run the risk of somebody like Seattle coming in who has more money than them and going and poaching Jimmy Garoppolo. Then they don't get him and they're running with Jacoby Brissett the whole year. I don't think that's really what they want. So I think they're going to try to figure it out. But um, now it's at least a realistic possibility or at least there's a chance that Jimmy Garoppolo could get moved and uh, Cleveland starting to make sense. So, we'll see. He says they would also get a third as a comp if they don't restructure. Uh, with with Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah. So, I mean, if Jimmy Garoppolo was to leave, it would end up being a third-round compensation for sure. Um, so that would be that would work out, you know, for whatever team trades for him, they could end up getting a third back. So, if they were willing to trade the 49ers a third-round pick, for instance, this year or even a fifth-round pick, they could get a comp pick back. Um, I, You know what? I don't believe it's a third. Uh, I can't remember the exact workings. I think it might be a fifth because of the amount of time that Jimmy Garoppolo's been in the league. I'd have to double check that, but Nees, you're on something there about the comp pick. I don't remember exactly how it works out, but after so many accrued seasons, it translates from a third to a fifth round pick, um, but I don't remember what it is. But I've only seen it in passing, and I think it was more prevalent to me when Trent Williams got traded to the 49ers. Brad Jones says, perfect. What's up, Ant? Finally, I'm awake for a live stream. Awesome. I hope you're having a good day, Uh, Brad. I hope you're getting after it. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad you're here for the live stream. Uh, WTM says, would you trade Jimmy G to the Browns for uh, guard Joel Batoni? You know what? If I felt that, you know, that was going to be the best deal possible, then I would. I think what I've always wanted out of the Jimmy Garoppolo trade was less about players and more about picks. Uh, Getting picks and then freeing up the salary has always been the target. But, I mean, if you needed to get a player to get the equal compensation, you could do that. Now, the 49ers are definitely have young guards right now. If they feel those young guards are capable starters and they believe that actually those guys are going to end up being big-time players in this league, you might not be willing to make a trade. But that is a good idea. That's a good thought process, WTM. Let's see if the Browns will be willing to part with him. And if the 49ers can't get the picks, they want compensation. Maybe they can work out something and get a player. The player also could offset some of the financial difficulties, so players could end up being involved. I just don't know if the 49ers really want to add players because they already have a super deep 90-man roster. They're going to have one of the best 53-man rosters in the entire league. JL says, hey, Ant, will the 49ers pick up a player from the Browns who help the salary problems with the Brown player? Would you see, like, that JL is on the same uh, page as W2M? I don't know exactly which player would make the most sense. I haven't really went over the Cleveland Browns, um roster you know to kind of figure it out like which one um, would make the most sense uh so i think that it, they could do that i just don't know if that's really the avenue at which they want to approach it um but i would always call that or see that situation as a possibility you never want to shut anything off you know and i've, I've heard a lot of people talking about hunt maybe he would be interested or maybe that would be a deal the niners would be interested in but once again you're adding a running back and a veteran running back and you have a deep running back room I mean, you're adding a, a veteran player to an already deep room. Now, he's very good, um, but would the four years be willing to do that? I don't know because that means you're adding salary also. So you have uh, the give and take. You are, would be getting rid of the Jimmy Garoppolo $24 million that you have on the books. So it would save you some money in the long run. But um, I still think it's about draft picks. I do. I really think it's about draft picks and then freeing up Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, salary along the way. Brad Jones says, how has Danny, Cam- Danny Gray been at camp? Uh, Cones keeps saying he sucks, but don't trust his opinion. And then I just realized I forgot to answer Lou's other question, So I'm going to get back to Lou right after uh, Brad Jones. Um, Danny Gray has looked fine. Now, Danny Gray looks like a rookie who has sometimes made some rookie mistakes. Danny Gray has drops. Uh, you can tell Gray has struggled at moments. But it's going to be a up and down season with Danny Gray because he's a rookie. There's going to be tremendous ups. When he flies down the field and makes these big time plays or he catches a a deep crosser and takes it to the house because he's got tremendous speed. Uh, He's also going to influence defenses because of his tremendous speed. So he's going to be he's going to keep safeties deep and not allow them to play a robber or a lurk over the middle of the field, which was happening against Jimmy Garoppolo for pretty much the entire 2022 uh, or 2021 season. So those things are definitely going to be beneficial. So Gray could influence the game just for the mere fact that he's out there. Now, he's going to have some drops. He's going to have some times that he makes problems. But he hasn't had a bad camp. He's had a rookie camp. He's had a camp where it's it's a player that's improving. And so we're just going to have to continue to watch Danny Gray. Is Danny Gray going to absolutely go light it up? I don't know about that. I think we're going to have moments where he has big-time plays. I think we're going to have moments you know where he struggles a little bit and I think we all just got to get used to that but I don't think Kyle's going to play him you know, a whole lot. I think those those first four guys are going to get a significant amount of snaps and then Danny Gray will kind of go in there off and on. Now, who was talking about uh the center position and I I think the center position is one of those ones that we're still going to have to let this thing play out. Daniel Brunskill, Jake Brendel are going to get all this all these snaps in the preseason. And one of them's going to come out on the other end. But I think it's so close, I really don't know who that's going to be. Um, so I'm kind of waiting to see who ends up winning this job. But I think either one of them would be a nice selection. We'll see. I think Daniel Brunskill is a little bit better in the technique, a little bit better in the blocking. But Jake Brindle carries himself as a center a little bit better. The snaps are better, more crisp. Uh, he looks good there. Both of them look like tremendous athletes. So we'll see if Daniel Brunskill can become a actual center right now. He looks like he's a, a, a player. That's playing center. Like he's a guard playing center, but um, I think at some point he's going to figure it out. And then he'll look like a center again. He does have some some reps, but you can tell there's just not the comfort there that there is with Brendel. Brendel looks like a guy that's been playing center his whole life. He just looks comfortable in that spot. And it takes a lot to get comfortable playing center. I played center some of my in my high school uh, career. And uh, getting used to snapping the ball and having, you know, your hand between your legs when you have to go block is difficult. Uh, Knowing and understanding what you're supposed to do is difficult. So um, I think that those are some things that, you know, we need to to consider to monitor as we watch. Uh, Paul says, well, Jimmy and his representation agree to another interim quarterback situation. I don't think they have much of a choice. They're going to have to go into wherever they go on a one year deal and then try to strike gold in free agency during the offseason. Getting to a Cleveland team that's pretty well built where they have the potential to go win football games, I'm sure it would be very enticing to Jimmy Garoppolo and his rep- representation, knowing he could probably have a good season and then be able to go out and get a good deal. So, yeah, I think that's a possibility for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he would like it. Olivia says, do you see any other teams that may also trade for him? Uh, the Finns, maybe. I think if it was if the Dolphins, it would have to be later on in the year. I think they're going to give this thing with uh, Tua Tagovailoa a really sh- a really good shot. I think that's part of the reason they hired Mike McDaniel. He said that you know he could work with Tua, and this ownership didn't really want to move on from Tua unless it was for Tom Brady, which I think everyone understands because you have an opportunity to get Tom Brady. Normally, you go ahead and you get Tom Brady. So I think that they're probably not going to be in on Jimmy Garoppolo for the mere fact. I don't see the Niners holding Jimmy Garoppolo into the season, and I don't see the Finns moving off of Tua until he starts to have struggles at least halfway through the year. So uh, I don't see that being a fit. I did think that would benefit a, a benefit when McDaniel first went there, but then hearing his comments about Tua, I think that that's less likely now. Uh, Shylock says, could Jimmy possibly take some snaps tomorrow night or all during the preseason? I don't think so. I don't think they're going to put him out there. Kyle Shanahan talked about the fact he hasn't even been in any of the meetings. He hasn't he doesn't have a playbook, he doesn't have an iPad. I don't think they plan on Jimmy Garoppolo taking any snaps and I don't think they wanna risk it either. Because if you put Jimmy Garoppolo out there, yeah, you could showcase him to the rest of the league, like, hey, Jimmy's healthy, Jimmy's able to operate this offense. Um, but it also runs the risk of Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, getting hit, taking a hit and getting injured and then all of a sudden you're in the same situation you were before he got cleared by doctors. I don't think that is the exact situation the 49ers want to be in. And what's up, Gary? Welcome to chat. So I don't think Jimmy is going to take any uh, part of preseason. I think he his uh, usage as far as being a 49er will just be practicing at the facility until he's ultimately traded. Uh, Lou says we don't need any players except a starting center. Otherwise, just draft picks. Yeah, I think I think that would be the case. If you could get a starting center, I don't think that's in the cards. Um, But I think it's going to be Brendel or Brunskill. So... I don't think they would trade Jimmy Garoppolo for a player unless they had to to offset some costs. But what player would that be? The 49ers would have to feel that player's an upgrade. And it's hard to upgrade this 49ers roster because it's so deep and has really good starters pretty much across the board. So, I mean, you know, just, I don't know who Cleveland has it I have to really look at their roster and find a, a situation where you could trade someone for Jimmy. But I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to have draft picks and, my guess, uh, performance bonuses and accelerations is a part of it where the 49ers can maybe you have a pick that moves up if he plays well. Uh, David Campbell says, you mentioned the title about Banks. you think he's ready? Yeah, that was one thing I wanted to talk about because we've had a lot of comments, um, you know, from people that were out there at at training camp and, and people and, and beat riders and um, people have been talking about Banks and, you know, some have been saying that Jason Poe has outplayed Banks or maybe Jason Poe could take that starting job and they've kind of been getting on Banks a little bit. About, you know, where there's heavy praise for Spencer Burford and a little bit of, uh, you know, hate on Banks at times. And I, I really want to get into this because I think Banks has played pretty well. I thought there's been a vast improvement from last year. I've been excited about, you know, the the things that he's changed and the way that he's gotten so much better. And I watched him be able to handle a little bit of the the physicality, but also the speed. One thing that he struggled with last year was you know being able to move side to side and being able to block these guys when they would try to go around him and he's definitely fixed that is he perfect no is he making mistakes at times yes but there's also really good reps too i mean when you have a guy like Aaron Banks and you're you're in a traditional pass set Javon Kinlaw's one-on-one and you stymie him and stop him and anchor in that spot and create a pocket for the quarterback you got to be excited about that potential Do I think there's going to be growing pains for Aaron Banks? Yes. Do I think he's going to get beat sometimes by a speed rush when he's left out there on an island one-on-one? Absolutely. But I think there's also going to be big moments where he puts people on their back in the run game and we all get excited. There's going to be times where we get great pockets. You're going to see some of the exciting things that definitely get this coaching staff excited about Banks because his ability to be able to do things uh maybe not this year to a, a Pro Bowl level, but eventually that's capabilities that he does have if he can maximize his potential. So yeah, I do think Banks is ready. I think he's ready for this preseason, but I think he's got to continue to get better and better. Coach Cruz says with a good preseason, can Poe make the 53? Coach Cruz is gonna be tough. You know, I, I really I really think Poe has gotten so much better. He looks more comfortable on this offensive line. I've been I've been very optimistic about Poe. And I really came in with with no uh, no expectations for Poe because I was worried about his length and I was worried about his height, just how he was going to be able to block along this offensive line against defensive linemen that were extremely long. You know, were they going to be able to get the the extension, you know, from their arms on him and be able to get him out of the way? And he's been able to play with low low pad level and leverage and do a pretty good job. The question is, are any of these young guys going to be able to make the team? Because let's say Spencer Burford does start at guard and Daniel Brunskill ends up being your six. Holden McKivitz has been the next best lineman. That's seven offensive linemen right there between the five starters. That includes Burford and Banks. And then Brendel, Brunskill, McKivitts, Uh, you run the risk of losing one of these guys. And it's going to come down to Nick Sakel. Uh, it's going to come down to Jason Poe, Jay Lemore. Um, Who are you going to release? Because if they only keep eight offensive linemen, you potentially are going to lose a couple of these guys. So, Poe is still is in the mix to be able to make this roster, but he's going to have to have himself one heck of a preseason. And I say that also for a, a bunch of players, including Nick Sakel, uh, Jalen Moore, depending on injury. Um, and I think that those guys really have to go out there and prove it. You know, you got Donovan West also trying to make this team. He's been taking reps at guard, Keaton Sutherland as well. But the 49 are going to have to make some tough decisions. But I don't think that Poe is out of it. I do think he's in the mix for the 53. It's just going to be very difficult. Uh, because so far, this offensive line, you know, has been playing pretty well recently, and they've got some really good play out of Colton McKivitz McKivitz has definitely surprised me. 40 uh, foggy says, I always hated playing center. Made sure I didn't have to play that after Pop Warner Bowl. Uh Center was different. You know, I had to adjust to it. I was offensive tackle before, and then they moved me into center, and, you know, I got used to it a little bit. But it's definitely different, that's for sure uh so i didn't really want to have any of those problems what's up david via welcome to chat hope you're having a good one um and brad jones says one more question and i saw brad from sf niners had the running backs ranked via training camp performance one was mitchell two with tdp three with sermon and wilson uh shared four hasty five mason how's your ranking yeah my ranking would be different now i would have uh, I, I'm, I agree fully with him with Mitchell being number one, and I agree fully with Mason being at the end. But the problem is TDP is not two. They have not gave TDP those reps. He has not looked like the second best running back besides one day there. There was one day the TDP did look really good. But as far as vision, the way that they've been running, you need to take Wilson and put him all the way up at two. If you want to share him and Sermon at you know two, that would be okay. But I actually think it goes Mitchell. Wilson, Sermon, TDP, Um, and then I, I, the reason I have, I would actually put Hasty ahead of TDP if you're going pure running back, but I think Hasty's kind of in a category on his own because he's a third down back, so I think those other guys, you kind of put them in that order, Mitchell, then Wilson, then Sermon, then TDP, with Hasty being in his own category as a third down back, and if the 49ers decide that they're going to move on from him, they have to figure out one of these other guys to play third down back, and then Mason, so uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a different group, but, I mean, it's not a bad list. Those guys have been battling. But one thing that's being held against uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. a little bit was early on he had the injury, so he missed some reps. But to some people, it appeared that he wasn't getting, you know, the reps, that he wasn't showing up. But really, he was, they were just working him back in. And once he got in, he was very violent and physical. His vision was good. Uh, he To me, he's been the most exciting running back as far as uh, making the right reads, getting vertical next to Elijah Mitchell, who's on another planet. That guy's just been playing so good. So, yeah, those those two guys are on the top, and I've been impressed with Trey Sermon. He's definitely looked better. Uh, but Jamichael Hasty continues to flash, man. That guy, you know, third down, running those uh, you know screen passes, catching the ball in the backfield, and then also some very explosive runs, which is an added element. Besides Elijah Mitchell, none of these other guys have the speed to have those explosive runs. Except for Jamichael Hasty. Uh Hugo goes with Jimmy G for Miles Garrett straight up. Uh uh, if if that would happen, that would be fantastic. Hugo, well done. Well done. Robert says, What's up, man? How's it going, Robert? Hope you're having a good day. Um, so yeah, welcome to chat. Um, traffic says we need to remember to whatever we see out of the O line so far from camp is going against one of the best D lines in the league. That's a hundred percent accurate traffic traffic. Um, they've been getting tested and they've been battling against a really good defensive line, which is going to serve them well when they get out there against these other defensive lines for some day, some days it's going to appear very easy for them because they're going to go against D lines that aren't as good as the 49ers. And then they're going to go against some that maybe present other obstacles, whether that is, you know, a strength or a speed element that they're not used to. The main thing is getting the run game going for the 49ers. If they get the run game going and they're able to go forward with their blocking that will help them when they get into pass sets because you want to be able to get into third and manageable. So anything that's third and four and and up, you know, third and four and below that um is somewhere where you at least have run the opportunity to run the ball on third down. If you can't run the ball on third down, then this defense is able to pin their ears back and get after Trey Lance and that puts the I mean, not, it doesn't put Trent Williams in a bad situation, but every other offensive lineman on that line, it puts them in a bad situation because they, one of them is going to have a one-on-one matchup. And if a blitz comes, uh, then you might have a situation where you're actually outmanned. So I do think that you know it's going to be good once these guys get out there and work. I think working against this D-line has been good for them, and that's why I've been encouraged about Burford's in, in, in increasing uh, improvement every single day. So uh, hopefully that they continue to get better, but that's a good point, Traffic. uh, Brad just says, who's your ideal goal line back out of that group? Um, So far, Brad, we've seen them use TDP the most. TDP, when it comes to short yardage situations, has been the guy they've been turning to. It's kind of interesting with that running back room because they've had these guys in specific roles, and I think in a perfect world, they would be able to keep the five running backs and Kyle Juszczyk. I don't think they're going to be able to do that, but... They've been using Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson Jr. to pretty much do it all. Uh, Trey Sermon has been, you know, expanding his playbook, but he's looked really good in the shotgun playing with Trey Lance, kind of how I alluded to before we went into camp. Now, with TDP, he's been using the short-yarded situations the most. He has been getting carries just like everyone else um, in their traditional Kyle Shanahan looks. And then you have Jermichael Hasty, who's playing the third-down back role. But I think they would like it to be TDP, But Trey Sermon has had great success in the red zone situations that they've been running. He's done really good in those. Elijah Mitchell's looked fantastic in those. And we already know what Jeff Wilson Jr. can do. So they have a variety of different options. And all the while, they could just completely fool you by motioning out Elijah Mitchell, getting him set, and then you motion in the wide back himself. Uh, Thiebaud Samuel to do some damage. So there's a variety of different ways it can attack different defenses. But I think as far as short yardage goes, I would lean towards TDP right now to handle the bulk of those carries. Um, But we'll see how he continues to develop through the practice or through the preseason. I think he's going to get even better. Paul says preseason with real pads and real hits and real blocks is going to give us some good information on our O-line and on our running backs. It is. That's what's going to be nice. You know, we have a lot of young players. that are going to see significant amount of snaps during the preseason. Um, and all the talk about training camp, we'll, you know, we'll we'll figure out where these guys are. But uh, games definitely are going to provide some of that uh, information that we need. And, of course, hopefully the reports coming out of Minnesota next week are going to give even more because that is going to be the most telling information we're going to get. But these are good opportunities for these young guys to be able to experience going against another team. I'm excited about those opportunities. Uh, so, yeah, running backs and offensive line are going to be fun to watch, and they should be know places that people pay attention to because those are big things that need we need to be figured out before we get to the season because this 49ers run game is so important for trey lance his offensive success hinges on that run game being successful taking the pressure off trey lance and then kind of opening up the play action pass game and so far trey has been doing pretty well in that also in the rpo he's looked really good in that and looks comfortable so yeah i've, I've kind of liked him what's up marvin welcome to chat um, Hugo says goal line running back is Juice, right? Goal line, uh, Juice is always involved. They'll run, you know, little trap plays to him. They'll run d- fullback dives. They'll get him the ball out in the backfield as far as the pass. But when it comes down to it, most of the time they want to use him and George Kittle as blockers to be able to create, you know, running lanes for these running backs. And every one of these running backs are big and physical besides Jermichael Hasty. And where Hasty lacks in physicality, he makes up for in elusiveness. So you've got an option with every one of them that are in there. All the while, you've got an absolute spark plug that's 230, almost 230 pounds like Debo Samuel that you can give the ball to, and he can go run somebody over. So coordinators have a variety of different options. I don't think Kyle Juszczyk is the number one option when it comes to the goal line, but uh, he's one of those guys that can definitely help in that area. And I would love to see him be more involved in the pass game around the goal line. We've seen Kyle Ush- Kyle Shanahan use Juszczyk in those situations. Um, but I'd like to see it even more. And, you know, it was just the other day at practice that Juszczyk was making a lot of catches out of the backfield. They were running play action. They were leaking him out. And Trey Lance was doing a good job of getting Kyle Juszczyk the ball. And in those situations, it was really good. Um Lou says is there could be more uh could more be a pup candidate. Um, I don't it's, I don't think we're gonna see any more of these guys on the pup list. I think they have this thing figured out. I think Jalen Moore is gonna end up making this football team. I, I don't think they want to move on from him. They were pretty impressed with what he was doing at the tackle position. He seemed pretty comfortable opposite of Colton McKivitz. So I think he's the next guy. I think Justin Skuel is probably gonna, you know, get moved on, depending on what happens in the preseason. But, I mean, beyond a couple guys here or there, you know, I think they like to stash these guys. But I don't know if Jalen Moore's going to get stashed. I think they want to see what he can do in the preseason. But they're going to have some decisions along this uh, offensive line. Like Brad said, or just have Trey run it in. And they were putting together a really nice package, Brad, uh, with Trey playing, uh, you know, running the football. They're running read option. They're running, you know, some fly sweeps with Debo Samuel. They were given a bunch of different looks and then having Trey run like a quarterback power where they pull guys it, it's, they've had a pretty good plan so far with Trey Lance and he's been very dynamic in the read option game. He's made the right reads almost every time. Seen him a couple times make a mistake, but even in those situations, he got back to the line of scrimmage. So I think that Trey is definitely going to open things up in the run game. He's actually going to make it easier on these running backs because you freeze edge rushers, you freeze linebackers and they're sitting there waiting and, that all the while they're waiting, you know, the running back is closer to the line of scrimmage, and then they have less time to squeeze it down and make that play, and if it's going away from them, uh, they're going to have a harder time being able to get there, and if the rest of the defense over-pursues, if you get that linebacker and defensive line washing down the line, it's going to create a nice void where that running back can get his foot in the ground and get upfield vertically in that void that was created, so yeah, I think Trey Lance is going to help a lot in the run game, and he probably is going to have some run uh, running touchdown, rushing touchdowns this year, because he's going to help in the red zone. The red zone offense looked pretty good uh, during training camp. Of course, there were some mistakes here or there, but overall it was pretty good. Shane says, I'm late, but I'm here. What up, TCC? How's it going, Shane? Welcome to chat. I hope you're having a good one uh, for sure. Uh, David says, the starters get maybe two to three series. What do you think? Yeah, I think Trey Lance will get about 10 plays. Uh, I, I On the previous show, I kind of said I believe – we, I don't know if we're going to get Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey, but if we do, I think we get them for one series and that's it. I think at that point, Colton McKivitz comes in, um, you know, and and they probably go with him and Justin Skule playing, you know, with this interior offensive line. I think some of the starters, uh, especially like Aaron Banks, Spencer Burford, uh, Jake Brendel, Daniel Brunskill, those guys are going to get a little bit more snaps than you would see. And then with the cornerback position, for instance, with us not having Traveris Ward or Emmanuel Mosley, you're going to see those guys that are starting there. Whether it's Andre Thomas, uh, Kadar Holman, you know, De'Amaru, those guys are going to get probably a lot more snaps. Because I think they are going to rest a lot of guys. I don't expect to see Bosa a lot, if any. I don't expect to see Fred Warner that much either. So you're right. It's going to be two series at tops uh, that these guys play. And for some of them, it'll probably be one. Because I think they want to limit Trey Lance to about 10 plays, and they just want to make sure they put forth the best offensive line. But I don't think they want to play Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey. They want those guys to continue to be able to get rest. There's no reason, really, to get them hurt. So, yeah. Uh, Hugo says, I think Juice might throw a TD pass this year. Would love to see it. We've had uh, Juice doing a lot of things in this offense, whether that was him running an option against the Saints, which was fantastic, by the way. He's caught passes. He's ran passes. Why not let Kyle Juszczyk throw the football? He was a quarterback at one time in his career. So Kyle Juszczyk can pretty much do it all the same way Debo Samuel does. The 49ers have a lot of Swiss Army Knives that they can use their skills in a variety of different ways. would love to see Kyle Juszczyk throw a pass. Uh, that, would be, that would be a lot of fun for 49er fans. No, I would enjoy it. Brad Jones says, trivia question for you, Ant. In the movie The Replacements... What NFL stadium did they use as the home stadium for the Washington Sentinels? Ooh. Wow. You know what? I, I'm i not sure. I, I know the team was, yeah, the team was supposed to be in Washington, but I'm thinking about what stadium that was. Uh, I don't know. You got me on that one, Brad. I don't know what stadium that was. Uh, I'm curious when you leave it in chat what it was. And if anyone else that's in chat knows, uh, let me know, because it's, it's not ringing a bell. It doesn't look familiar to me. So i'm curious what you come up with jane says i really want to see sermon david lombardi has been talking highly of him recently he should be talking highly of him uh because trey sermon's done a very good do- job in camp he's looked exciting his vision is what's the most important thing uh he's had a really good vision and then he's been able to get vertical when his foot hits the ground on on plays that you know outside zone plays last year he would just continue to try to stretch those plays to the outside and he would end up getting tackled for you know no gain or a loss, um, but when he would cut up, he, you know he would make plays. Well, this year he's more willing to get vertical earlier. He understands what he's supposed to do in this offense. He definitely looks a lot better, and it starts from those eyes, vision, and then also the willingness to be able to get vertical and get upfield. Now that he's willing to do that, I think Trey Sermon fits more uh, into this offense than he did before. So Bobby Turner, uh, Anthony Lynn were right. You know and Bobby Turner was right at some point sermon is going to fit into this offense he's got to continue to work at it i'm sure him working with dalvin cook also helped as well and what's up to my guy jay hill how's it going welcome to chat always good to see you in there and brad jones says baltimore stadium that actually makes sense now that you say it i would not recognize that stadium though without you telling me Uh, so that's a good bit of trivia right there i really like that traffic says even what we see of Trey probably won't be as much like the 49ers will be reaching deep into the playbook where Trey's going to really excel, probably. No, they're going to run base vanilla offense. This is going to be the the install that they've worked on. These are the traditional Kyle Shanahan plays. You're not going to see a lot of creativity. You might see an occasional end around, you know, a screen pass, something like that. But yeah, this is going to be the base offense. They're going to ask him to operate the base offense. And you're not really worried, once again, about overall results. You just want to make sure they're doing the right things. So with Trey Lance, it's not so much about him going ahead and completing a bunch of passes but him locating the right receiver and getting it out. Those are the most important things. So, um, yeah, I, I think that we have to remember that, that this they're not really game planning too much for these teams. Um, they're not going to get all the looks defensively that you're going to get when you get into the season. So that you're just looking for Trey to be able to drop back, feel comfortable, locate his receivers and get the ball out. And what you're really hoping is that this Forty ers run game is going to take over and make it really easy on everyone. Because if they're moving the football, then Trey Lance is going to have some opportunities uh, with open and, and comfortable pockets to be able to throw the football. So I think that's what you're looking for. And Hugo says, speaking of O-line, who is the swing tackle? I don't think the 49ers want to have a swing tackle. I think they want to have one guy that plays on the right, one guy that plays on the left. From what I've saw right now, Colton McKivitz is that guy. Colton McKivitz has been the best offensive tackle that's a backup on the entire team. In fact, he's the best backup lineman right now because we don't know what's happening with Daniel Brunskill. If Daniel Brunskill is not starting at guard and he's not starting at center, Daniel Brunskill is your starting. He's your swing tackle. He's your swing everything. Um, But after that, then you got to put Colton McKivitz in the mix because Colton McKivitz has had a really good camp. And I don't know if I'm the minority on this. I haven't heard a lot of people's um, you know thoughts on Colton McKivitz. I've just been going on what I've saw in his 11 on 11s and the way that he's handled himself in drills. To me, Colton McKivitz has had himself a really good camp which is a lot better than last year where he really struggled. A lot of that was him playing on the interior. So uh, we'll see. But I, I think that right now I would say it's, it's McKivitz or Brunskill, depending on how things work on the interior. One of those guys is a swing tackle. But I think they would love to have it to what, where one of those guys plays left and one of those guys plays right. Um, so that way they can get consistent reps in those situations. Bomber T says, how many preseason games do you think Trey will play? I think he's going to play in two. He's going to play in game one, and he's going to play in game three against the Houston Texans. And I'm going purely off what Kyle Shanahan has said in his presser. Uh, Kyle Shanahan was pretty clear about this. And because that, I'll go ahead and play a clip of the presser so you can see it real quick. Um, and, and listen to what he had to say about the preseason. Some of them. We got a pretty good idea. I definitely want to see how these practices go these first two days. Um, I'd like to get guys to play in this game, um, mainly because I don't want them to play in the second game. You know, going to scrimmage a team um, more into the scrimmage than the game. Um, and then to have a chance to get them to play in a game four days after that versus Houston when we get back Sunday morning will be tough. So that's why I don't want them to play much in that game. So hopefully a little in one, a little in three, and then we'll have 17 days to get ready for week one. So as you heard, you know, Kyle Shanahan talking about the way that preseason is going to go, it's all about game one. He's trying to get them reps because of the Minnesota practices, where he puts the most value in those joint practices on the 17th and 18th of August. Those are the most important. That's when these starters are going to get their most reps. Those are going to be the really good reps because it's all controlled. There are situations in a game that just won't come up, whether that's, you know, two minute drills, a uh, four minute drill to be able to use the clock. Those things don't come up. Also, you know, different situations on special teams. So, what they're going to be able to do is put these guys in those situations because you can talk to Minnesota. They have situations they want to see their team in. You have situations you want to see your team in. And it's a really good way to simulate a bunch of situations you want to go through that you're not going to be able to uh, simulate you know, in a, in a game situation because you just don't know if those are going to come up. That's why those are so important. So um, I think that that's what we're going to get. We're going to get those guys in games one and three, and they're going to arrest them that Saturday against Minnesota so Saturday, that Saturday against Minnesota, we're going to see a lot of the backups, which could be exciting because all of us that are deep into the 49ers know we want to see Jordan Mason and TDP run the football. And we want to see you know the different wide receivers that we haven't got to see, like Tay Martin go out there, Austin Mack and make plays, uh, Danny Gray get extra reps. Like Those are things that we're interested in seeing. And if you're interested in the tight end position, we'll see if Tanner Hudson can go push. Uh, Ross Dwelly to make tight end three. Tanner Hudson has been having some good days out there at training camp. Maybe he's good enough to pass Dwelly. That is going to be tough, but he's at least put himself in the conversation. And that's what I'm excited to see how these guys operate out there. And everyone wants to go see Brock Purdy, right? Uh, Brock Purdy's been looking pretty good at practice. Don't expect him to make the roster, but yeah. Uh, Brad Jones says, I've heard we have a solid starting nickel after Denard's camp. And her Womack as his backup has been improving every day. That is entirely accurate. That is exactly what's been happening, Brad. Denard has looked very comfortable. He looks confident in his role at the nickel position. I've been excited about that. I've watched him every single day practice almost right in front of me. And his footwork and technique is flawless. Uh, I think he's very comfortable with that role. He looks good playing on the inside. Now, they did move him outside a little bit with the injuries to charvarius Ward. And Emmanuel Mosley, he's probably going to get some reps out there as well. Which is good for Womack because Womack does continue to get better every day. He's very sticky with the way that he plays. D'Amico Ryan said that as well. Um, In man coverage, I like Womack a lot more than I like him in zone right now, but I think he's improving in that area. I wouldn't be surprised if, middle way through the year, Womack isn't able to step in and take over that nickel role, but he's going to have to work really hard because right now, Denard looks comfortable. And Denard looks like one of those guys that's finally found the position at which. He's going to excel because he was struggling a little bit on the outside. That's why he was running the risk of not being in this league anymore. And now we've got a situation where he comes into nickel and he just looks comfortable and confident. Uh, He's very stocky and stout against the run. So I like Dark Questinard in there, and I like our nickel situation with those two guys. I even like the third nickel with Quantrez Knight. I think Quantrez Knight's developing nicely as an undrafted free agent out of UCLA. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the practice squad and eventually be able to compete next year go with Samuel Womack for that nickel job. So the Four Yards are doing a good job of putting together secondary players that fit their system. I'm excited about it. So yeah, that's a very good point, Brad. I don't know who you heard that from, but whoever said it, they're on point. That's exactly my beliefs as well. Uh, Luis says, seems like Nate Sudfeld has struggled throughout his career. How will he be successful within, with the wideouts? Uh, When it comes to Sudfeld, Sudfeld looks a lot better this year than even last year. Uh, last year, he had certain moments where he was you know, doing pretty well. Right now, he looks like a competent backup in this league. That's the best way to describe him. But he has moments where he makes you know, makes plays. But really, you're just asking him to come in and run the offense. He likes to hit the checkdowns. He's taking some shots down the field, which is a little bit different than what I've seen from Sudfeld before. But what you're asking Sudfeld to do during the season is to come in and be able to win a couple of games or at least compete in a couple of games if Trey Lance was to get injured. And that's what Nate Sudfeld can do. He can come in there, he can operate the offense. He understands what everywhere everyone is supposed to be and where they're supposed to be at. And those are good situations. And he really is a nice uh veteran presence around Trey Lance. They feel comfortable around each other. You can tell they have a good working relationship. And that's something you want. You want Trey Lance to feel comfortable. So I think Nate Sudfeld will do a good job as a backup. I don't think Brock Purdy makes this team. I think he ends up on the 53-man roster. Um, but I I mean on the, the practice squad I'm sorry. So yeah, I think right now I'm I'm pretty excited about Sudfield because I thought he had a rapid improvement during this training camp and he was starting to have a really good relationship with those wide receivers. Uh Bomberti says he looks the same to me. Guy drinks a lot of beer though. He's talking about uh Kyle Shanahan. People are saying he potentially is aged 18 years. Brad Jones says, And have you heard about Kyle's beef with the NFL about his hat? I have heard about this. So Anywhere, anyways, it makes sense for me from the NFL standpoint that they want hat, hats to continually uh, go through the process and cycle because they want to be able to sell new merch every single year. If you had somebody that was wearing the same thing all the time, then what would happen is there would, people wouldn't be willing to go get it, right? But every time Kyle Shanahan comes with a new hat, people are willing to get it. Uh, Kyle Shanahan wore that channa hat in 2019 and those things sold like hotcakes. Everyone was picking them up. he wore the silver hat and everyone started getting that like the gray silver hat so i think kyle shanahan wearing different hats is what the nfl wants because they're going to be able to make money off of it and kyle shanahan just wants a a certain look uh so we'll see if if kyle Shanahan's able to work something out and design another hat that he likes because right now he said he doesn't like any of them he's just gonna wait until it gets time for november so we can wear the veteran military hat um which i understand i have one of those as well those are really nice so yeah, it's interesting the, the way it works. I understand it from the NFL's perspective because they're looking to you know market and make money. Uh, that's exactly what New Era wants as well. And I understand it from Kyle Shannon's because, he, hey, I found a hat I like. I just want to wear my freaking hat, which I understand because we all get favorites and we all get hats that we like. And he wants a certain style, and it's hard to get that certain style with some of the hats that the NFL makes or at least the way New Era creates. Um, David Campbell says maybe a bit early, but do you have any practice squad candidates yet? Yeah, I do. You know, I, I've been watching these guys for a while, uh, and I do have some guys that I think are going to be on the practice squad. I think Taylor Hawkins ends up making the practice squad, the safety from San Diego state. I think he's one, um, I think Quantrez Knight, you know, the nickel corner from UCLA ends up being on this practice squad. I think those two make a lot of sense. I think Marcelino McCrary ball, the linebacker, uh, he's going to end up making it as well. So I'm excited about you know him as well. Um, I think you know potentially uh, Adkins, the defensive tackle um, from Fresno State, he ends up making the practice squad as well. I think those are a few of the names that I saw. And then running back Jordan Mason, I think he's going to be on the practice squad. I think as far as wide receiver Tay Martin, I think he would be a nice candidate, young guy for the practice squad. Also Austin Mack uh, potentially could be on there, but Malik Turner is another guy. If he doesn't make the active roster, could be on there. Those are the guys right now that I'm leaning towards. And, of course, Brock Purdy would also make it. So there, we're going to have a, a, those guys, and then you're probably going to have some of these offensive linemen, depending on who doesn't make the, the 53, between Nick Sakel, Jason Poe, and Donovan West. Either you know all of them or at least a couple of them are going to be on the practice squad. That's how I see it going right now. Uh, there's a lot of guys that are definitely capable of being on this practice squad, but those are the guys that I see that I have value in and being on the practice squad the most. So far. Shane says, who would you compare Sudfeld to? Um, you know, that's interesting. I haven't really thought of a Nate, Sud- Nate Sudfeld comparison. Um, he's one of those guys that's a little more sneaky athletic than you would think. Because when he scrambles, he doesn't exactly get caught. Yet, when he's in the pocket, I mean, he looks very stationary. Um, but Sudfeld's got a nice, easy, soft throw. I'm trying to think of somebody he reminds me of. And um, I really don't have it. I mean, maybe... Uh, maybe a lesser uh Elvis Gerbach. I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking as far as his upright motion, the way he throws. Um, But Gerbach definitely had a stronger arm and was more talented. So I don't know for sure. I'd have to think about that comp a little bit. But um, I have liked Sudfeld so far. The ball comes out of his hand pretty nice. He spins it nice. He throws a nice spiral. Um, Sometimes his timing's a, a little lackluster. Uh, he's a little late on things because he's very deliberate. But I mean, those are things he continues to work on. I think everyone gets better. Brad says, so they need to get Kyle to design his own hat every year. Yeah, I think that would be the way to go. You might as well just get a Kyle line on the hats. New Era should just do that. A Shanahan, you know, Shanahan, hat. A Shanahan hat, for instance, that would make a lot of sense. Hugo says, same things all the time. Hardball, khakis. Yeah, exactly. Hardball, khakis ended up turning it into uh, a moneymaker. These coaches definitely latch on to things that they like. I mean, it's tough when you have to you know, wear certain things because that's what the league policy is. A lot of guys don't like it. And what's up, Debbie? I hope you're having a really good day. Debbie says, so ready for tomorrow. Let's go, Niners. Can't wait. I love that energy. Uh, Just excited about it. And what's up, Coach Tim? Welcome to chat. Coming through to say hi. I hope you're having a good one, Coach Tim. It's been a while. I hope you're enjoying yourself. Uh, Brad Jones says, the Kyle Shanahan authentic design hat sounds like a good marketing ploy. It does to me as well. I mean, I, I think that's the way to go. That is very smart on their part. Golden Dragon says, do you think... Rookie cornerback Tariq Castro Fields gets a chance to push the roster spot in a 53-man. Maybe he can showcase in the preseason games, etc. Um, I think he's gonna have to. I really do. I think he's gonna have to, you know, go ahead and try to prove that he can make it because uh, Tariq Castro Fields is battling a lot of really good football players. Um, there's a lot of guys out there ahead of him, and right now he's been listed. I know it was the unofficial, um unofficial you know depth chart so i don't want to take too much account into it um but yeah i mean there's there's a he's down down at the bottom right now um so i think that he's one of those guys that we're gonna see you know we're gonna see what happens with Treecaster Fields, but he's got a lot to prove he's got a lot of work to do he's been working hard he comes out there and he gets after it he works as hard as he can before practice even starts uh so i do like that so um, I think at some point we're gonna see Tariq Castro Fields get his opportunity to prove it, but it's it's not easy for him right now. You know what I mean? It, it's really hard. Um, so uh yeah, and uh, Coach Tim says uh, Bono was similar to Seth Allen reminds me of him too. That's a pretty good comparison. I actually like that one a lot. Um, but yeah, Castro Fields hopefully he's gonna get his opportunity, but it's it's not easy. Really not. Did you watch Brick by Brick? Kyle looks so dialed in. You know what? I haven't got to watch Brick by Brick. So I was working last night and I I thought about putting it on, but I want to be able to focus on it. And I was driving and I didn't want to take away from, you know, the uh, overall messages that he was going to be able to say. So I'm going to get into that today. I do want to watch Brick by Brick tonight because I'm always, I always love the Brick by Bricks. To me, they give you so much insight into what's going on. I, I saw a small clip of Kyle Shanahan, like in the meeting room, talking to the team. So I want to see that I love brick by brick. It's one of my favorite things that they produce. Uh, the Forty guys overall media group. Uh, Shane says, so, uh, uh, Louis says Derek Carr and Shane says Sam Bradford, but not even as good. Interesting. I, I like the comparisons. Uh, and then of course you had coach Tim saying, uh, Bono. So those are all, I like that you guys all have, you know, the interested, interesting things that are going on. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm actually enjoying it for sure. Let's see what else we got going on here. Um, I see Goff coming from Shane. So Goff as well. Uh, Thank you so much, Coach Tim. Says, this is the best four years announcement on YouTube. Didn't want to miss your guys' takes. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And Hugo says, any news on JV? Uh, With Jason Verrett, there's nothing new. Um, We've seen him on the sidelines. We've seen him doing a little bit of workouts out before training camp, which has been exciting. But I think Kyle Shanahan's comments about Jason Verrett, you know, and about him potentially being on the pup list. He said Jason Verrett's aiming for week one, and he goes, "I would love that, but if we got him back in week four or week, you know, eight or at the end of the year." Uh, so he's per- they're preparing for the fact that Jason Verrett may not be ready to go for week one, and they may not want him to be ready to go week one. Um, and it was Man Among Savages that said Sudfeld reminds him of of Jared Goff. So I like that. Uh, well to come through for that uh, Man Among Savages. Um, so with Jason Verrett, we're going to see exactly what ends up happening. I have a feeling now that he's going to end up on the pup list, which means he misses the first six games and then comes back after that. And I think that would give him a really good opportunity to get his feet underneath him because I do worry about what Kyle Shanahan said, like in 2019, they put him out there against Pittsburgh, and he really struggled because he just wasn't ready yet. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm hoping that potentially um, Jason Brett's going to be back and, and get after it, but uh, we'll see. It might be week six, you know, after week six when we get him. David Campbell says I may have missed it, but where's Alex Ben? Hope all, all is okay. Yeah, so Alex started a new job. He's he's uh, been busy with that. He's a teacher, so he's been taking you know a lot of responsibility on with that, and so he needed to take a little bit of time away between that and the marriage so uh or the wedding so he's got that going on right now so you guys get a lot of me right now um and we'll see what happens down the road you know how alex uh ends up you know getting used to his work schedule and then we'll get back after it but right now you get a lot of me um you'll probably get some more other people as well including horse here in the future so uh yeah it's gonna be a fun time but yeah alex is handling a personal business right now so the podcast is uh is not something he's doing right now, but we'll see what happens down the road. Uh Marvin says Jason Vret can cover with the best. He could always be welcome addition to any team. Exactly. Jason Vret to me is still one of the best cover guys in the entire 49ers team. I think you could put him in there right now, and if healthy, I think you could argue he's actually a better cover guy, pure cover guy than Charvarius Ward. Uh the questions with him is always health. And that's the problem, right? He just can't stay healthy. So if he ends up being healthy then he's a, he's a dynamite piece to have, especially with the versatility. He is a guy that can go play on the interior. He's a guy that can go play nickel corner. And I think the 49ers have kind of started giving us some information from what Kyle Shannon said, what the secondaries coach has said about matchups and how they would use all three corners, including Verrett, Mosley, uh, and Charverius Ward to be able to match up against certain receivers and get the best possible thing. Um, so, I think that that's a potential area in which we're going to see this defense expand once Verette gets back and he's healthy. Paul says Sudfeld is one thing that uh, Scangarello brought us that's good. Uh, yeah, I like Sudfeld overall, and I do think he fits in what you know, with what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. David Campbell says more Horst is a good thing. Uh, yeah, and you know we do, David. I'm glad you brought up Horst because we have recorded a new episode of Slightly Offside. Slightly Offside's episode. Thirteen is going to be dropping tonight. I'll make sure to put that out. I'll put that out over on Patreon as soon as I have an opportunity to get out. I have it already. i just got to post it up. So you'll be getting slightly offside's episode thirteen. It's another good one. We get into a lot of different stories. Uh, and Davis, you guys are great on slightly offside. So thank you so much for that. It's a good one. Uh, Marvin Ro- Marvin Rose says Jason is a shutdown corner. I agree with you. Uh, I I really do agree with you. Um, and then. Uh, Coach Tim says, Alex is cool. Wish him the best and congrats on marriage. But, Ant, you got this. Do a great job. Plus, you have the same name as my youngest son. Well, there you go. I, I love that. It's, we have the same name, and I, ho- I hope your youngest son is is having a, a good day, a good time, because us uh, Anthonys, we rock, right? Yeah, exactly. Scott Hill says, hey, Aunt, who are the starting O-line for Lance, do you think? You know, this is one of those interesting ones, Scott. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be for the first preseason game because I don't know who they're going to start at left and right tackle because they've been protecting Trent Williams pretty heavily during, you know, the training camp sessions, giving him days off, a lot of maintenance days, making sure they're keeping him healthy. And then Mike McGlinchey, they're still working him in off the injury. So I don't know if we're going to get both of them. I think if we get them in the preseason, we're going to get them for maybe one series. I think after that, you'll see... You know, uh, Colton McKivitts come in. You'll see Justin Skewil come in. McKivitts at right tackle, probably Skewil at left. Um, and that's how they'll roll with that. And I don't think we'll see him that much, uh, in, that long. Now, if we're talking about the actual season, I do, we're going to have those bookend tackles to go with Aaron Banks for sure at guard. And then the questions remain. Because even though I think Spencer Burford is having a tremendous camp and should be the right guard, I do believe that there's going to be a battle still, depending on what happens at center. Because if Brendel wins it, Daniel Brunskill could be thrust right back into the guard position with Burford if they feel Brunskill's a better option. Now, Burford continues to develop, and there might not be a spot for Brunskill on the starting offensive line, but those questions still have to be uh, figured out, and a lot of that's going to happen in the preseason. So I think those young guys are going to get a lot of talent, or a lot of playing time. So I'm kind of excited about all that, because it's going to be fun. Uh, It's really going to be fun. And Marvin says, is doing an excellent job. Thanks, Marvin. I really appreciate that. Uh, It's been good. Uh, And then Hugo says, if G, if if Jason Brett goes pup and comes back week six, what a boost. Exactly. Right. It's like getting a player in trade that can go and do anything you want. Uh, It's exciting. I mean, the defense will go from, I mean, potentially one of the best in the league to the best in the league, just by adding Jason Brett. And then maybe he would be able to stay healthy down the stretch and play those 11 games that you'd need him to play getting in the playoffs. I definitely love that. And you know what, Stream Elements said, have you subscribed yet? That gives me an opportunity to ask you if you have subscribed to the channel yet. We're on a mission to get to 3K. We've been working really hard. And in fact, a lot of people have joined the Cutback crew just in the recent week. Uh, a lot of people have jumped on and I really appreciate it so much. So if you're watching and you haven't subscribed yet, if you would take the take the chance and go ahead and subscribe, you can always unsubscribe if you don't like the content that's being produced. But I thank you so much for your subscription. And if you've already joined the Cutback crew, thank you so much for everything you do, whether that's being right here on these live streams helping us out. Uh, the best way to support is over on Patreon, and a lot of you already do, or some of you are channel members. Thank you guys so much for everything you do, because chat is always lit, and you guys have been doing such a great job with it, so thank you so much for liking, subscribing. Really, really uh, appreciated from, from me, es- especially. Um, Tim says, Burford is balling. Brunskill, I think, ends up at center. Shanahan has him as his favorite, it seems, to be his former coach. Just certain things he says about him. He definitely likes Daniel Brunskill, and Brunskill, as far as the blocking after the snap, has looked really good. He looks comfortable. My problems are right now as a guy who you know coached line for a long time, and you know this, Tim. His snap has been a little bit slow. It's not always clean. His long, you know, his uh, shotgun snap wasn't always you know, good exactly where Trey wanted it. Maybe it was a little bit right or a little bit left. So he's working through those things. So right now he looks like a position player that's playing center. I'm waiting for the fact when it kicks in and he look comfortable and looks like Daniel Brunskill, the center. And I think in that case, when, if that happens, that might be a problem for Jake Brendel, and that might be when Brunskill makes it. And then the decision on Brendel gets interesting. Do you keep Brendel as a backup? You know, Maybe you could play him at guard as well, or do you just try to work with one of these young guys you could keep on the team? That's an interesting thing, but I think we're going to see this thing play out. But I'm curious about these snaps against Green Bay and how they play it out, because right now they've been splitting... First team snaps between Jake Brindle and Daniel Brunskill. Um, Marvin Rose says, you have Ward on one side and Vret on the other. would be awesome. Yeah, especially the way that Kyle Shanahan has been talking about Verrett, um, Ward, and, and um, Emmanuel Mosley kind of moving around. I mean, you could see a time when you have Cooper Cup in the slot, and that's where, that's where Jason Vret goes. Uh, you know, you could see a situation where you have DK Metcalf on the outside, and they go ahead and they put Charverius Ward on him. You could move guys all around. Hugo G says, "Well, Alfredo Guterres getting snaps in the preseason. I think he will get snaps this year. I think he will. I think you're going to see Alfredo Guterres play in the fourth quarter of some of these preseason games. Um, I, I of course, there's there's no way he's going to make this team. He's just you know not on that level yet. But he's vastly improved from last year. He's definitely put in a lot of work. So yeah, I think he will. It's uh, it's exciting. And and Paul says, join the Cutback Crew, where you get intelligent content from somebody who is observing training camp, not just an opinion." Thanks so much, Paul. I really appreciate that. And I got to meet Paul out there again. Of course, I met him at the draft party. Then I got to see him out there at training camp as well. And that was a a really, really good time. So I've been excited about it. So what's up, Donald? Hope you're having a good day. Welcome to chat. Freddie Mac Dre coming into chat pretty good as well. Um, So welcome. Welcome. Uh, And everyone's having some fun on the chat as well. I really appreciate it. Now, I'm gonna. I'm getting up against this, so I have about five minutes left. So if you have any questions that you want to throw in here, sneak in here, go ahead and sneak them in. And then I'm going to go ahead and, and get out of here. Um, but I have been really enjoying this chat. You guys have been tearing it up. I mean, just question after question with intelligent takes and intelligent questions. I really have been enjoying it. Um, so thank you guys so much for coming through and having such a good time on this Thursday. We are in... Uh, you know preseason eve i mean it's about to start tomorrow it's going to be an absolutely exciting day as the 49ers are going to be taking on the green bay packers and pup jess is uh, physically unable to play that is the pup list uh so that is what that is what some of them are saying is going on with alex That he's on the pup list right now uh they're just having some fun with it but yeah that's what it means uh Tim says, yeah, you're right. I always leaned on my offensive line coaches for the tr- for the trench work and prep. They always have my back, both as an OC and head coach. You guys are a few and far between, but vital to success. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's one of those positions that's interesting. And I actually took a while and really invested some time watching the interior offensive line for this team. I think you're going to be excited when you see them. Because I really wish, though, that they had put out film. And I know they can't. Of what they look like the first couple days of practice and training camp, because I think a coach, coaches especially, and and people that have you know worked with offensive lines or seen them develop would appreciate the development of like Spencer Burford, uh, Aaron Banks, even Brendel and Brunskill. You would look at him be like, wow, these guys have improved so much. And then I think if it got to the game and they struggled, you would still have that appreciation for how much better they got. Um, but we know we don't get to see that, so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm keep trying to convey how much they've improved. Uh, since training camp started. So that way people don't get down if they make mistakes in the game or they struggle because it's been a long uh, trip already. Even though it's only been two and a half weeks, these guys have gotten so much better. Uh, Freddie MacDrey says, does Mason, uh, the running back, have a chance at the 53? Um, I mean, I'm not going to count him out. He could go out and have himself at one heck of a preseason. He's going to get opportunities. He got a lot of opportunities in the last training camp day. He still did. He did pretty good. But right now, he's definitely the last running back in the room. Everyone else has outshined him. He's had moments, but so have they. And I think that's one of the interesting things about this running back room is Mason's big physical. He's got good vision. He gets vertical pretty good. Um, but when it comes down to these other guys have had more explosives. They've had better plays. But I do want to see how Mason runs when they can bring him to the ground. If he's able to break some of the tackles um, that we've seen him kind of breaking the arm tackles at practice, Maybe he could carve out a role, uh, but it's going to be tough. So, I mean, he's going to be someone I'm definitely excited to watch over the next three games. I want to see how he handles this, but I think he's a candidate probably for the practice squad, but he could potentially pay dividends to the 49ers during the season. If they suffer an injury, which, you know, they've suffered injuries pretty much every single year at the running back position during the Kyle Shanahan era. So Mason might end up helping this football team down the road. And that would be really, really nice. So, Hopefully that happens. Uh, Marvin says Trey will get his chance to prove the doubters wrong. You know, and I hope he goes out there. And even though I'm sure, you know, most people want him to prove the doubters wrong. I hope he goes in there just to the mindset that, hey, I, I want to take each play as its own. Try to you know make the right read, get the ball out. Just take the game as it comes. Don't try to prove anything wrong. Cause if so, he's going to put a lot of weight on his shoulders. He's still a young quarterback, but he handles, he's so even keel with the way he handles mistakes. When he threw the interception to Fred Warner that he knew was an absolute bonehead play, he just turned around, went right back, took his lumps, and got back out there. So that's one thing I think everyone's going to really appreciate about Trey Lance is the way he's able to just overcome these obstacles. And if he makes some mistakes, he moves on. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited about that for sure. Uh, so, yeah, overall, this has been a really good episode. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, everyone, for coming through and leaving great chats. I've had a really good time. Great comments as as all. Uh, You guys are fantastic. Thank you so much. And I can't wait till tomorrow. We're going to be having a really, really uh, good time after the game. I'm going to be able to get on here and we're going to have a reaction show. So join me after the game. We can talk about everything that happened. Paul is saying that he's going to be out at Boston Pizza at Citrus Heights. So if you guys are in the Citrus Heights area and you want to go hang out with somebody from the Cutback crew, go hang out with Paul. He's a really nice guy. Enjoy yourself. And if you guys have an opportunity, come hang out with me on the live reaction show right here on YouTube. It'll be after the game, so probably between 8.30 and 8.45. That'll be a a really good time. So come through, let me know what you guys thought of the game, and we'll have a fun conversation. Uh, But until then, everyone stay safe. And remember, the right way is always the 49ers way.